It's great to be with you for another Life Words Q&A with David Ray. G'day, I'm Andrew Morris, and over the next 15 to 20 minutes, we're going to be talking about questions that have kept you up at night, perhaps, but uh, it's the intersection of life and faith, and uh, today... David, welcome to the studios yet again. Thank you, Andrew. Good uh, to be here. Yeah, always great to, to pick your brain. And uh, if you do have a question for David, you can email us, lifewords at hopemedia.com.au. Okay, let's get started. What should I do when the J-dubs or Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons come knocking, David? Well, there's first a couple of things not to do, and I, I think I'm preaching to the converted here, but don't don't rudely slam the door in their face. There's, there's no excuse for discourtesy. I mean, it might be very inconvenient and you might not agree at all with their teachings or whatever, but 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 there's, there's no room for discourtesy. You don't slam the door in their face saying, I'm a Christian, go away. I mean, that, that would be silly. But secondly, don't naively go along with what their message is either because you see their, their, their messages have some similarity with their own Christian faith and so can be very seductive they're not preaching paganism or or satanic rituals or anything they, 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 there's a bit of there's quite a bit of false teaching but also some 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 truth embedded in there as well so so, so, so beware of figuring they're really just Christians in another form um, we're not being discourteous we're not being disrespectful but we are wanting to sort of as it were delineate our faith, identify our faith in distinction from their faith. So don't rudely slam the door in their face, but don't sort of, as it were, welcome them in and say, oh, well, we all really believe the same thing anyway. Actually, we don't. Okay, well, that's a good point. So can we identify some of the key differences uh, with the J-dubs maybe first? Oh, well, the Jehovah's Witnesses, one of the fundamental issues they, they, they have is, or the fundamental issue with both J-dubs and Mormons is, is where Jesus fits in. It, look, and this is the same with Muslims, it's the same with a whole lot of other religions. The key is, where does Jesus fit in? And so many of them have this view, and the J-dubs are a classic of this, that Jesus is exalted a very high place. He is a son of God, for example, but not, as Christians would say, the son of God. So, you see, that's just one example of that. They would, if you said to a J-dub, well, we believe Jesus is the son of God, they'd possibly say, oh, yes, we believe that too. But there's a subtle difference there. And and my, my warning or caution to people would be, look, Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons are very well versed in their faith. And they, and this is not to be disrespectful to them, but they, they are well rehearsed in how to answer objections. They know yep. what a Christian will say and they can quote Bible to uh, um, uh, sort of um, refute your arguments because, mind you, anyone can pick and choose in the Bible and come up with a whole lot of things. So I would warn you a little bit about about entering into, in, into dialogue from the point of view that you need to know your Bible very, very well and you need to be aware that these people are not coming to your house in order to have a, just a free and open exchange of views. They're coming to persuade you that their views are right and that you should join them. Now, I don't believe there's any harm in that. I mean, Christians might want to do the same thing. I'm, yeah. So I'm, I'm not knocking them for wanting to persuade you to their point of view. But just be aware that they have their very set points of view. Very rarely will they be open to persuasion um, from another Christian. So I would, if you want to enter into dialogue, that's perfectly okay. But be very well prepared and don't assume that you're going to just simply by force of argument or logic or by using the Bible actually win Turn them up. over. Yeah. Yes, that's 
that, that's that's right. Mind mind you, Andrew. I mean, I mean, one other way you can handle it is by just simply saying, "Look, I don't want to talk about those things. Thank you very much." Um, don't, don't say I'm too busy because all I'll say is, oh, well, okay, we'll yeah, come, come back, back when you're less busy. <laughs> okay. um, so, look, we're not being rude and I don't want to be disrespectful. They are generally people of ethics, uh, high ethics and integrity. I'm not, not knocking them on that. But they have very set views. They are trying to persuade you of the rightness of their views and you need to be very well versed in the scripture to be able to combat them. If you want to, uh, if you want to invite them in and have a chat, it gives you an opportunity to share your Christian faith with them and who knows what the Spirit will do with that. But at the same time, don't just set, set your hopes up too high as if they want to come and hear about your faith uh, and then they'll tell you about yours. Uh, I'm not quite sure too much dialogue will actually yeah. be happening there. There's rather just simply be an exchange of views. So, David, pretty much you're saying politeness is probably a good uh, op- opportunity or a good option in, in doing that when you answer the door. And secondly, it's probably not the best uh, tactic to go in there thinking that you're going to turn them to your side and win this argument because, as you say, they are well-versed and they're not there really to have a discussion but to turn you to their way of thinking. And that's right. And again, I don't blame them for that at all. They believe what they believe passionately and fair enough. No, you don't get into arguments. Um, the most I'd want to do if I invited them in was to say, um, look, uh, uh, please hear my point of view. I will hear your point of view. Thank you so much. Um, and by all means, pray, not just necessarily pray there and there on the spot, but pray for them. But yep. uh, that, that's, I think, all you can do. Yep. You're listening to LifeWords Q&A. Great to have your company. Hope you're enjoying the discussions that we've been having over the last 11 episodes. You can email us your question. I'm sure you've got one on the tip of your tongue. The email address to send uh, it to is lifewords at hopemedia.com.au. Our second question for today is, I've just started a new job. I want people to know that I'm a Christian. How do I best go about this, David? Well, uh, one book I read some time ago, Andrew, talked about Christian witness in terms of words and music and what the writer was saying was we need words but we need the background of music and we can translate that I suppose as works as actions so there's two aspects of our witness works and words just as there's two aspects of many songs which is music and words now Jesus for example says um, he wants us to be salt and light to the world and he wants others to see our good deeds and thus come to honour God. So what we do is important. Jesus is saying, let your light so shine before people that they may see your good works. So good works are very, very important uh, and and thus come to honour God. So what we do um, is important because what we do is the context within which the the words of this song, as it were, of our witness uh, occur. If we try simply to tell people we're Christians and what the faith is all about without living the best sort of life, we'll be seen as hypocrites. So I would say to this person, uh, please don't come into your new job thinking, when am I going to get a chance to talk about Jesus? When am I going to get a chance to talk about Jesus? No, go into your job and be intent on doing the best possible job you can. Now, that's not that's not the whole bit, um, but that's the start. That's the starting point, because please remember, you have not been employed by your employer to be an evangelist. You have been employed by your employer to do a certain job and do a good job. And that's, that's at least the starting point. So I think we need to be a bit more realistic. And this person going into a new job needs not to sort of come in as someone who's morally superior to everyone else and knows all the answers. Well, Christians don't know all the answers and they're not necessarily morally superior. But let's, let's be seen as someone who does a good job and who is distinctively 
different. Um, I, th- I think it's fair enough to expect a Christian to behave better. And I think it's fair enough to call into question, not to call into question a person's faith, but to call someone to account if their Christianity is not lived out in a way that is pleasing to God. But we're never going to be absolutely perfect in the the, the, the works we do and this person starting a new job you're not going to be perfect don't try to be perfect just try to be um, positively different and then then people may ask you questions and this is this is the emphasis in the New Testament that the New Testament talks about us giving answers to people not preaching and shoving the gospel down their throat so you, you, you seem to be a good worker seem to be someone who gets on with people and then someone might say to you what have you been doing on the weekend you might say oh well um, our church we we had a seminar on and so we were in the seminar your church oh you're in the church are you and 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 one thing can lead to another to another to another you're not trying to sort of tiresomely uh, turn things around so that you're only talking about spiritual things you're doing a good job you're a personable sort of person not perfect but you're a personable sort of person as opportunities come which they will you then get the chance to plant some words to the music of your works and because you see if all we're doing is just being jolly nice decent people it might not be that they will give glory to our father in heaven it's when you put those words in uh, in the context of your works that witness becomes a holistic sort of thing so works and words both very essential but the works come first as it were not because they're more important but because they are the context within which any words are said or spoken. Excellent, David. So, yeah, you're pretty much saying if you want people's respect to be able to speak into their lives, you actually got to live it out first before you can really speak into their lives. Oh, yes, yeah, to, yeah. To, to, to live it out but never pretend that somehow or other you are perfect yeah. uh, or that you know better than anyone else and that your views are the only right ones. Avoid that. Great to have your company. You're listening to LifeWords Q&A with David Ray. Hi, I'm Andrew Morris. It is our weekly conversation of life and faith. And it's time for our third and final question for today, David. It's a question, should we expect to see miracles nowadays? Or were those miracles simply to do with an earlier era before we had the Bible? Yeah, this is a tough one, Andrew, because uh, my first reaction is to say, well, since God hasn't changed or lost his power, he hasn't changed, uh, we certainly should expect to see miracles happen. I mean, I, I'm a bit puzzled by people who say, oh, we've got the Bible, we don't need miracles anymore. I, I can't see that the Bible is ever teaching that in itself. The Bible is not meant to um, somehow replace the power of God at work. The Bible testifies to God's power and gives us a standard by which we judge what we see. But I I, I don't subscribe to the view that, oh, now that we have the written scriptures, we can't expect to see the supernatural works of God. I don't think God has um, changed at all. So we should expect miracles from that point of view. But an important caution, um, a miracle by definition is not an everyday happening. Um, Some people say, well, you've got to expect miracles all the time. Well, if you're getting miracles all the time, they cease to be miracles because a miracle is, in a sense, an interruption to uh, what we observe as the laws of nature. Um, And and so, therefore, by definition, I don't think we can expect um, miracles uh, sort of, as it were, on demand. And, in fact, in the biblical times, I mean, we read a lot of miracles in the Bible, but there were... whole years, decades, centuries where there weren't many miracles. Um, So while we do read of a lot of miracles even in Jesus' time, um, that was due to the unique character and mission of Jesus, that that there was such a concentration of miracles. But there was 
a whole lot of things going on every day in everyday life when Jesus was around that uh, but the miraculous didn't intervene. I mean, some people would say, oh, it's a miracle that, you know, that we can go to bed at night and wake up the next morning. Um, you know, the, the miracle of, of, of the human body and all those kind of things, which is fair enough. Yep, that's great. But we're actually talking about, uh, as you say, unusual uh, events that God has a hand in and God has created, but that don't happen all the time. So yes, that's right. You see, you, you see you, you, for example, one example of that is that um, Jesus uh, did many healing miracles um, and they were wonderful. But hey, um, many, many, many more people are being healed today um, through what we might call modern medical means, which do which, which can be in one sense regarded as miraculous. Um, the fact that any of us can sort of cut our fingers and having the coagulant uh, features of our blood, um, uh, you know, causes not to bleed to death. Uh, miracle. Um, you know, there, there's a whole lot of things that can be sort of loosely regarded as miracles. I, I personally wouldn't use that word, as, as you've right, rightly, rightly indicated, but all I want to say is that some people might want to say that, oh, back in the old days, we had so many miracles. Wasn't it wonderful? Why don't we see more today? Well, I think we are seeing quite a bit of healing, uh, quite a bit of wonderful progress today, which cannot be necessarily defined as a miracle. But God is using what we might, in inverted commas, call natural means to achieve supernatural purposes. Uh, so, so, so... Do do we expect to see miracles? Um, I I wouldn't dismiss miracles, and I would want to say to God, God, I, I, I let let me discern, let me observe whatever miracles you've got for us. I don't want to use this um, the excuse, as it were, or this cop out of saying we've got the Bible. Who cares about miracles? But nor do I want to go to the other extreme, as I said, uh, of saying, well, come on, God, you've got to sort of do miracles all the time. I mean, just just for example, I mean, if someone's involved in a car crash and the car collides with a pole, uh, why couldn't God have um, done a miracle? Well, mm. what are you expecting him to do? You want him to change the molecular structure of the telegraph pole so that it becomes sponge rubber. Uh, well, okay, I'm, I'm sure God can do that in a, in a brute force sense of the word, but hey, what happens if we can't rely on telegraph poles to be telegraph poles and so on and so on? So, so we cannot expect God to be constantly intervening to change the laws of nature because those very laws of nature then become inconsistent and unreliable. That is a good question, David. So in terms of our expectations, there are some natural laws, as you just mentioned then, when, when, and how do we expect God to perform a miracle? Well, well, almost by definition, the way that question's framed is we we cannot uh, we cannot expect anything in a way. Uh, it's not up to us to say now, come on, God, do this miracle, do that miracle. Yeah. Um, what we can expect in general terms is to be open to the supernatural intervention of God, because miracles do happen today. Um, they, 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 they certainly do, not necessarily within the institutional church that we have in our Western society, but uh, there are many Christians throughout the world who would say, hey, we're, we're seeing lots of miracles here, and and, and, and that, that's fine. We've got to leave God free to choose when and if he will intervene. What our task is, is to be open to that intervention, to believe in the possibility of that intervention, but to see simply surrender things to God and say, God, uh, um, it's going to take a miracle, as it were, for us to get through this. 
and look for what God will do because the way he will intervene miraculously in our lives might not be quite the way we were expecting. So yes, expect miracles, but leave it up to God as to the timing, as to the possibility of them happening and the actual nature and character of that miracle. We see lots of miracles or hear about reports of miracles taking place in the third world. Maybe not so much in the Western church these days, though that they, as you say, they do happen. But um, is that something to do with us as a Western church that we've, uh, you know, either sort of reasoned it out of existence or, or I mean, is, yes, it, is I, it true I, to say that there is a lack of God's power and presence in the Western church? Yes, because I, I think it, it, we're, we're dealing in cross generalizations here, but yep. I think there is truth in that in saying that in the Western Church, we we have so much technology and resources at our disposal that we're almost shielded from miracles. Our technology and our resources can somehow or other, we reckon, can achieve things. And it's, it, we never articulate this, but really it's a case of who needs God? Um, we've got the latest technology. Uh, who needs God? We've got a whole lot of Bible knowledge or, or whatever, whatever. And perhaps there's Christians in the two-thirds world who perhaps haven't got those resources and who more, I'd, I'd use the word, nakedly and helplessly depend on God. And um, the, the, the help comes to those who helplessly depend on God. So we, as it were, um, because of the relative, and I use this word carefully, relative comfort of our society, um, perhaps tend not to be open to God's miraculous intervention because there may be a feeling, even within the church, we can get by within ourselves. We'll work that just that bit harder. We'll do just that bit more. We'll spend that bit more money. And and we don't say it, but there can be an assumption, well, we don't quite so much need the miraculous intervention of God because we've got all our knowledge, we've got our Bibles, we've got our churches and so on. Whereas other Christians in other places uh, as, uh, can be in a situation, well, God, unless you turn up and turn up miraculously, we've got no hope. So I think that they do witness more the miraculous. But just one little caution there that we dare not naively believe every report of every miracle because um, sadly sometimes they are misreported and that doesn't do the Christian faith uh, much good at all. Is there a posture that we should take then to expect uh, or, or to help us with seeing and experiencing God's inter intervention in our lives? Well, as I suppose a good prayer to pray, uh, says he who doesn't really pray this prayer every day, but a good prayer to pray at the beginning of every day is, God, open my eyes to what you are doing in my, in my world, the world in which I live today. Open my eyes and ears to what you are doing. And Lord, I'd even go one step further and say, Lord, I give you permission. Not that I have to do that. That's a silly phrase, isn't it? But Lord, I, 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 I want to acknowledge to you that I believe that you can do wonderful and mighty things more than, as the, as the Bible says, more than we can ask or imagine. But Lord, I leave it up to you to answer that prayer. I'm not going to dictate to you what you are going to do, but but I will say to him every day, God, you are you are a God who raised Jesus from the dead, so I can expect your resurrection power to be at work in my life and in others' lives today, but allow me not to be tu have tunnel vision looking for that particular miracle or that particular intervention. Let me just 
be, be, be discerning as to all the possible things you could be doing. And therefore, our eyes and ears are open to the truly miraculous, but they're also open to the what we might call the non-miraculous intervention of God, the healed relationship, the uh, recuperation from um, an operation, the, uh, 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 you know, the, 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 the family reconciliation, all this sort of thing. Yep. So yes, I think we ought to be open to all the miracles rather than having this view of God, which is, oh, well, he did that once, but he's not going to do it anymore because we've got the Bible. Uh, I think that's rather too arrogant, but avoid the other extreme of saying, come on, God, lay on a miracle for me here and now because that's to put God in our pocket and it's not a good place for him to be. You're listening to LifeWords Q&A with David Ray, Andrew Morris. Thanks so much for your company over the past 20 minutes or so. We'll be back again next week with another episode of LifeWords Q&A. In the meantime, please send us your questions. We'd love to tackle them. It's LifeWords at hopemedia.com.au. Until next time, David, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Andrew. Good to be here. 